0: 1 John tonight. 1 John chapter, chapter 2. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. It's just such an honor to be here ministering with you. And I love, I love this word and I love the anointing that accompanies this atmosphere. We are ministering on the anointing tonight. going to just stay with that until we get unctioned to go another way. How many of y'all know that tonight you're anointed? Boy, sometimes, you know, uh, back earlier when we were just finding out, according to Second Corinthians 5, that we were righteous, it was hard for us to confess boldly, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, there was everybody had that little place where it was like, I'm saying it by faith, but, you know, feelings didn't line up, our acts didn't line up, our works, and and, you know, certainly our mind was giving us fits about it, and then I'm sure the devil would jump in there. Well, it's the same thing, a new, a new um, a realm, if you were, to believe and to convey to your life, I'm anointed. So let's just say it by faith tonight. I'm anointed. Well, we are. You're anointed right now. Hallelujah. Full strength. Devil casting out, miracle working, prophecy speaking. Dead person raising, anointing of God. Problems and challenges, untwisting and unraveling, anointing of God. Things, the Bible says He's going to show us things that are not seen. The anointing does that. Let's look here in 1 John chapter 2, in verse 27. And let's, let's become apprised of the anointing that you have and that you are. But the anointing which ye have received of him, abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught taught you, ye shall abide in him. Well, the word says here, the anointing, the fragrance of God, the presence of God, the ability of God, it abideth, it abideth in you. Doesn't just come and go. Doesn't just, you know, come in, well, whoo, oh gosh, we read around the room and Prophet Doodad's here, and ooh, yeah, and the, and the praise, you know, was, you know, it came, but now we got to go home. Doggone, I wish we could be anointed all the time. Woo, the abideth the, the anointing that abideth in me abideth in you. It doesn't come and go. It stayed. It's not contingent on the environment. It's not contingent on you being good or bad or, or having a vision or having, being clueless. The Word says that the new birth, the abiding, the anointing, came inside and lives in you, lives in me. Full time, full strength. Praise God. Never unhappy, never trying to move out, you know, got the luggage, you know, suitcase in each hand, you know, going out the door and then coming in the door, but staying in. Got the pictures on the wall of grandma and grandpa, you know, got the good dishes in the. Planning on staying, hallelujah. Making no plans to leave, hallelujah. Well, it's the greatest revelation in the New Testament. When you get this down, when you wrap your faith around the anointing is inside of me, the Holy Ghost, the Holy One is inside of me, and I'm anointed all the time to do the work of the ministry, then you've taken a great step in the kingdom of God. That's when the rest of the promises become reality. All the things that you say, well, you know, I believe those things, but they just had not come to pass. Uh, much of it, a great deal of it is keyed to knowing who you are and knowing what's been put inside. Paul said, he said, uh, I can do all things, or I can master anything and everything through the Master who lives in me. Getting over there in who we are so that we can know what we have, what we can do. It's so essential and so important. So we have the blood of Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus at the cross came down, was shed for you and I, you and me. All of a sudden, the veil that was in the temple, the very abode and dwelling place of God himself in the Holy of Holies, that thing was rent from top to bottom. That thing was poured out open. And all of a sudden, you could see inside where God was, and God could see outside where you were, and a change went. And now, no longer does he live in a house made with hands. But he lives inside of you and me. There is no such thing as a house of God unless it's you and me. So, you know, we say, I, you know, I want, people have prayed, you know, deacons, I know where I went to church, they would pray at the end of the service, you know, Brother Doodad, would you dismiss us? He'd stand up and he'd say, well, Lord, we just thank you for this, that, and the other. And Lord, we're asking you to go with us as we leave. Well, you know, if you're going to leave, he has to go. He has to go with you when you leave. He can't stay in the church. No matter how uh, fragrant it was and what the presence of was there, when you leave, He goes. And when you come, He comes. He's, he's, uh, He's on wheels, as it were. He's not in just one place like He was in the old one. So the anointing of God abides in you right now. Say right now. Let's say it better. Right now. Now, I'm, you may have had quite the day. You may have had some things, some news, some challenges, some issues that you're dealing with, and it may not have been the greatest day, or even if you had a great day. It was just because you got on top of some things, but there was things to get on top of. I said, everybody in here has got things that they had to, that they had to overcome in order to be an overcomer. But the anointing is present all the time. It's never taken by surprise. It's not over in strength over down the street, somebody that's really in trouble, got some disease or got a husband that's walked out or got a child that's you know, cranked up and he had to double up and leave you and go down the street and help out and all of a sudden the devil or troubles come in and there you are, no anointing. No, it's never happened. He's full strength all the time. The anointing abideth within I tell you, when you get it inside, you say, well, you know, how long are you going to be talking about this? Over and over. We get it. No, we didn't. We don't get it until we act on it. We don't get it until we're smiling in the middle of the storm, saying, this is no big deal. I'm anointed. <laughs> we don't get it till our mouth tells on us. We don't get it until we have a confidence in that, and we are aggressors. Instead of defending the, the fort, defending the house, well, if the devil comes, i, I got scriptures for him. If the devil, No, we're aggressing, saying, I got up today and the devil better be on guard. I'm looking for him today. That's when you know you're anointed. That's when you know the truth has come in. That's when you know you've got something going. In the Amplified, it says this. Listen to the Amplified in verse 27. It says, but as for you the anointing the sacred appointment the unction say the unction just so we'll know it's the same word but as for you the anointing the sacred appointment the unction which you received from him abides permanently in you that word permanently says something full time all the time in full strength well i don't feel very anointed you know, that's a common feeling. I have felt more days unanointed than I ever felt anointed. If you can feel the anointing, and you can, it's tangible, it's, it's got a tangibility to it, but just because you don't feel it in its essence or in the working of it doesn't mean that it's moved out. doesn't mean that it's on a low level. A low thing. You know you can measure certain things, the strength of your Internet coming in, or the strength of your signal of a satellite or something. you can say we're getting low signal. And, but I tell you, the anointing's full strength all the time. All there is is inside of you and me. Psalm 92:10 says, "I shall be anointed with fresh oil." Hallelujah. David, looking ahead, he, he had to have it come on him. He had to get in a position and had to be legally uh, able to take it, but he said, I shall be anointed. Well, we've got a greater place than David. We don't have to say I shall be, but we can say I am anointed with fresh oil. I am right now, right now, ready to raise the dead. Well, it's going to take some stuff to raise the dead, but sometimes it it takes some stuff just to get a, rid of a, a, a nasal infection or, a, you know, or, or just a, a, you know, a hoodly-doo on your ear or your neck or something. You've know, you, you got to have the stuff of God or you need to go to the house. Well, we've got it. And part of the church's problem, if it has one, it's challenges, just not knowing who we are, because uh, not knowing what we have because we hadn't known who we are. So if we knew the value of the anointing, Listen to me, if you knew the value of the anointing, you would spend more of your life, more of your time, more of your your faith, getting a hold of it, understanding it, working in your life. You would be in meetings where the anointing was evident. You wouldn't miss those. You'd sit as close to the front of of any meeting as you could. You say, does that make a difference? Well, it's been my experience. You would pray in the Holy Ghost if you do the value of the anointing. You'd keep yourself stirred up, which is a form of fasting, a form of drawing aside, a form of, of drawing aside in order to draw in, praying in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues all the time. And then there's a work going on. It's just like you're getting plugged in when you're speaking in tongues. You ought to have more than just a few minutes speaking in tongues. They did a survey a few years ago, and they say the average American pastor prays 11 minutes a day. How many of y'all believe that's not enough? (laughs) And that maybe the problem in America is that if the pastors are only praying 11 minutes, and it might go downhill from there, we don't have enough uh, acknowledgement, enough desire, enough pursuing of the anointing. The very thing that's keeping us from pursuing it is the very thing that we must have the anointing in manifestation and in 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 power to to overcome. So it's just a prioritizing. We ought to be looking for the anointing. We ought to be coming in saying I'm anointed and I'm going to add to this service. I'm going to put my brick on the pile. I'm going to put my log on the fire. I'm going to whatever's going on, I'm going to be in on it. In Isaiah chapter 10, let's just slip over there. You Isaiah chapter 10. Here's what the Word says about the anointing, and it just fits. How many of you all know the Word just fits? It says here in verse 27, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Well, it sounds like it's a burden removing and a yoke destroying power. This anointing. Well, I don't know what you want to classify, what you're challenged with, what you're faced with, what you're dealing with, but probably it could come under one of two things, including a burden, which is the stress of life. You know, life doesn't overwhelm us. It doesn't knock us out, but it is a stress in our life because this world system is geared for the heathen. You are anointed, but we're all anointed in a way, in a dimension, in a realm that we're not anointed individually. The body of Christ gathering together, we add some things together and the sum of it is greater than anybody has on their own. So wisdom dictates that, hey, if there's an anointing, a corporate anointing, where I go to church, I need to go there. And everything that keeps me or attempts to keep me from there could be Uh, trying to keep me from getting the anointing that destroys the yoke. Removes the burden. Jesus went to heaven. He sent the Holy Ghost, the anointing, to take his place. He was in one place at a time. He was in Jerusalem, or he was in Samaria, or he was in Capernaum or whatever, but he was never in two places at once. But the Holy Ghost is in all of us. So when we all line up and come together, woo, there's more of him, hallelujah, here than there is at your house. So what he's saying here in, in Isaiah is, is the devil, listen, the devil can't put anything on you that the anointing can't remove or destroy. Greater is he that is in us, that's in me, than he that isn't. He's in me, he's in you, and he abideth forever now. So the devil can't get in unless I'm stupid and just don't know that. Nobody told me. Or I didn't believe when they did. Amen? Amen. Well, back there in 1 John, would you move back there to 1 John? If you'll come to church every week, I promise you, if you'll come with an expectation about the anointing, that the Anointing will break off the trouble that's been piled up in your life all week. It'll break it off, whatever's accumulated. You know how a house accumulates dust and nobody ever notices it and nobody ever says, wow, it's really dusty in here, but it accumulates. That stuff gets on you with people, with your your job and all that. If you'll come into church, the anointing will take that off. It'll remove that stress. It'll, move, it'll remove that yoke. That yoke that, that's in the world is the system of the world. Well, we're in the system in the sense of we're, we're present... But we're not of that system. We've been translated out of that system financially and in health and in every area. We don't belong to that system. But that system takes every opportunity, like pressure on a submarine. Uh, There's not like, well, there's more pressure at the back than at the front. There's just gazillions of pounds of pressure on every seam and every you know, bearing and everything like that, trying to get inside that submarine. Well, the world's trying to get inside of your life. Well, the yoke that that is that's trying to get in and saddle you with a different way of thinking, in the financial realm, trying to get you to get your finances so that you can, you can, you can set up a retirement plan and be rich and be set, and it just never works. I said it doesn't work. But the devil, the, you know, the God of this world, is trying to put you in a yoke where you'll think along those lines. Well, we've been translated out of that. So we don't have any business translated out of that trying to operate in that. So when you're tithing, when you're bringing your offering to God and you're saying, Lord, I am the, the anointing that's on this tithe and on this offering destroys the yoke, that, that, uh, that lie that's in the world that's trying to say you need me, it destroys that thing. I bring my tithe in and the yoke of that is destroyed. It's taken away. And I'm free from it. Hallelujah. You say, well, gosh, it sure costs a lot to get that off. Well, you know, when you get the yoke of the world off of you, then you're in the system of God wide open. There's just so much abundance, so much fullness, you can never imagine how little that tithe really is when you get over in God's system. But that yoke is like that water pressure on a submarine, always trying to get back into your life. In 1 John chapter 2, back up in verse 27, look what it says. It says, the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. So first of all, we can see that the anointing that we got at the new birth, it lives inside of me. Say, the anointing lives, dwells, and abides in me. And it's right now, and it's all the time. When you're thinking bad thoughts, if you ever thought a bad thought, a contrary thought or a negative thought, if you've ever been involved in anything, the anointing is still inside. You're still born again, you're still righteous, and you're still anointed. You go, well, I don't feel like it. Well, that would be the state of your head. But it has nothing to do with the state of your spirit. Your head will tell you all sorts of stuff. It'll trash talk you, and if you believe any of it, you're going down in the sense of victory. So you just can't look to that. You have to go. Now, this is so important. We talk about it all the time. This is the only thing you can know about your life. Because feelings will never confirm, I'm anointed. You will never feel anointed enough to step out. Well, I feel really anointed right now. I believe I'll go do something with it. You'll never feel that anointed You'll, you'll have a sense or an affirmation of it in the sense sometimes where, where the Spirit's flowing and you can, you can sense that in the room, but even then you don't know if it's you or someone else. You, you can't get that from your sense realm. You have to just go in here and say, Well, the anointing which I have received of him abides in me, and I have no need that any man should teach me, it goes on to there say, teach me, but as the same anointed teacheth you of all things and is truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. That's all I could know because I don't feel like it. It doesn't look like it. No one's coming up and saying, oh, you, there's a, there's a cloud around you. There's a halo around you. You must be the anointed one. Nobody ever did that to me. How about you? So they're not even... You can recognize anointed people, that that presence on them, but I'm telling you, just for day-to-day things, feelings will let you down. So I have to go back here and say, the Word says I'm anointed right now. So that's all I can know. Amen. So number one, it says it abides in you. So we've got to declare it. You've got to get up, and when you get up in the day, you set the day, and you gotta, maybe you've got to get up and say, you know, I'm the righteousness of God in Him. That's a good start, because you may not feel like the righteous, especially if you had a blowout of any kind the evening before, and then you slept on it. You ever had one of them blowouts? I know you don't have them blowouts, but I've heard of people that did. Hallelujah. That just had some sort of thing and then they had to sleep on it and they had to get up the next day and face the day, that person or that event or just what they did or said, and it's like, oh man, that was such a bonehead thing. I don't you know, you gotta get up and say, I am the righteousness of God at him, and I am anointed today, right now. You know, do you feel like it? Far from feeling like it. Far, don't want to go. Wanna get, uh, can I get under the rock today? Can I call in? You know, don't. No, I'm anointed today. I'm more anointed than all them heathens that are there that are doing this and saying that. I'm telling you how to win today. Praise the Lord. And so you can make no decision by feelings, you can't decide anything. Well, I feel like, you know, this, that, and the other. You have to say, I'm, making, I'm going to do this because I'm anointed to do this. I'm anointed to be a father in this house. I'm anointed to go to work and be a manager. I'm anointed to raise these kids. I'm anointed to be a, to be a parent. See, you know, when, once your kids leave, that anointing for that particular aspect, it... Somehow transforms or changes. Not that you can't keep care of kids and you can't love them and all that, but it's not the same, I can tell you. We call it a grace, but it's the anointing. And it comes on you when that little guy, you know, just when he comes into your life, all of a sudden you are anointed to parent. And, you know, we think, oh, you know, what am I going to do? We're going to rely on the anointing because, you know, your first one, you've never had one before. You don't know diddly. And by the time you know how something goes and how something works, they're gone and nobody cares to know what you know. All us grandparents know that. Nobody cares what we know. Everybody wants to get it on their own. Advice is just not that popular about parenting. Hallelujah. So you've got to go to the anointing, don't you? Same thing with finances. All this thing, if you had two lives to live, you could live one and find out and figure out and then come back and live the second one, but you get one shot at so many things, and you've got to know by the anointing how to do it from Him. Because it says there uh, that He abides in you, and then number two, it says He teaches you. Teaching teacheth you of all things. Now, John here was obviously teaching, so it's not like John was saying you don't need anybody to teach you. But what he was saying was, is you'll never be in a place where you've got to have an expert, got to have somebody that knows, and if you can't get to him, you're sunk. He's saying you've always got the anointing who will teach you anything and everything that you need. You know, you don't, who do you go to for finances? You know, what do I do here? You know, a lot of us can't go to our parents. You know, we're grown, our parents don't, they haven't followed the things of God. They don't, you know, they're not, you, but they raised me. Well, you know, but you, you became a peer with them, and they don't understand spiritual things. You can't go to your boss. Well, he's so good in his business, and he's just a crackerjack. It doesn't mean he has anything for you. So who do you go to? I mean, if you're not, if you can't go to your pastor, you can't go to someone in the church, you've always got him. He says, he's going to teach you teach you how to parent. Praise God. And we got to learn that. We got to learn you got to learn parents, you got to you got to reach in to him. You got to pray. You got to pray for your kids. If you don't pray for them, who's going to pray for them? If you don't lay hands on them, who will? And so you got to go to the anointing and you got to make that real. And then, and and you got to start you got to quit contradicting what the word says. We say things with our mouth. we got loose lips. It sinks ships, they say. we got to quit contradicting the anointing. The Bible says, the Word of God says, I'm anointed. So when you feel like a failure, when you feel like it's not working out, you got to stop the world where you live, and you got to stop and say, but I'm anointed. I may not understand, I may not know, I may not you know, have experience, but right now I'm anointed, and I... The words we're gonna look at in a minute. I have an unction from the Holy One and I know all things. I have the mind of Christ down in here. The mind of Christ didn't up here. This is this is brain up here, but the mind of Christ is down here. And so we look down in here, we get down in here. That this up here is to gather the sense world, the natural world. It's to gather together. Form a memory and an experience, and based on that, give you a set of, of, uh, of, of uh, elements to make a decision to go forward. Because, you know, you've seen movies where they forget everything after one day and they have to start fresh every day. That'd be crazy. So we need that. To get around and to recognize each other. But for living a victorious life, not not that good. You'd look down in here where you already got the full package. You ever you ever bought software and it's got all these things in it? And you go, I don't need all that. I just need this little corner over here. I got several of those where you, you know, but that came that way. Well, you start out just with that part you can get to, but then you grow and expand. Lord, I I got the mind of Christ down here. And you can know anything about your life that you need to know down in here. Y'all say amen. amen. It's down here. Well, if I just knew more, if I just knew what they knew. He's down there. He's abiding down there. And you can know all those things. So you've got you to get up every day and say, I'm empowered to win today. I have success on my day. If you don't imprint yourself with that, then the world will imprint it as soon as you get to work or before. I saw a lady today, I was going up 359, we were busting 67 miles an hour, and she's coming around me and she's doing something with her eye with this hand and had a cell phone in that. I don't know what was driving. You know, I don't know. And I'm going, Dear Lord, you know, I need the anointing God to survive, just to get the church. Hallelujah. Amen. I know you wouldn't do that. 1 John, you're right there. Look in verse 20. 220. It says, uh, But ye have an unction, an anointing, same word, from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Say right now. See, we're not waiting. We're not qualifying. We're not qualifying to know all things. The new birth qualified you. That's where you qualified when you said, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. I make you Lord of my life. The new birth occurs. Regeneration happens in your spirit. And all of a sudden, the anointing, everything that Jesus Christ is by the Holy Ghost, moved in. In the twinkling of an eye, a twinkling of an eye, you blink in a tenth of a second. And it all moved in, lock, stock, and barrel. It's not gradual. It's not progressive. Well, I'm trying to do better. You know how people say, I can't get saved today because i got some things in my life. Well, they won't get born again. Well, we're not those people. We're born again, and he moved everything in, and I'm anointed. I have an unction, I have an anointing from the Holy One, and I know all things. Where do you know it? How do you know it? Down in here. So things that I can do, getting myself in an anointed place, getting myself with anointed people, getting myself praying in tongues, getting in the Word so that I dispute, make contrary, the plans and the devices and the schemes of the world. I look in the Word and say, "Woo, that's not right. What I've been hearing and what I've been seeing is not right because here the Word says this is truth. And the anointing will stir that up to to make you engage what the Word says to do. Amen? So you have an anointing. You're anointed right now. So we have to begin to speak according to the truth. You You cannot say, I'm anointed in the morning and then all day long say, man... I don't understand. I'm confused. I don't get it. This is crazy. What's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. Life is hard. You can't do all that and have an anointed flow. Boy, this is stepping over on toes. But you know, we're going to have to. We're going to have to line up with the only thing that we believe is truth, which is the Word. We got to line up our mouth to line up our spirit with truth. So the anointing can work. So the anointing can activate. So the anointing can profit our lives. Because you're anointed, whether you you know whether you can s- s- count to ten, you're anointed. You, but you got to engage it. You've got to activate it. You've got to be involved with it in order for it to profit you. <laughs> So that's why the Word talks about having certain friends. You can't, you can't have fellowship with darkness. You can't, you can't have fellowship with the unbeliever. Yeah, you can go into their life and get them born again and go in your their life to, to say, you, you know, Johnny, you need to get born again. But you can't go to the lake with them every weekend and say, yeah, this is it. That's darkness. And it will go over and it will stifle and put a lid on the anointing in your life. And you'll wonder, why aren't things working? Well, it's that time with Johnny. It's that time with darkness. It's that time where you're not exposing yourself. You're not giving place to the anointing to have the greater one activated work in your life. So we we got to open our mouth and say, I'm anointed. Full strength all the way. I'm not trying to qualify. I'm not trying to work myself into it. I'm not trying to do better, get better, have better. I'm not trying to get rid of this so that I can do better, for, you know, be pleasing to God. I'm, I'm pleasing to God. The blood has made me pleasing to God. Come on, y'all. I'm pleasing to God right now. Is everything I do pleasing? No, but I am pleasing. You know, you've raised children. Everything they do is not always a blessing, but they are a blessing. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, You know, you you can whip most problems just getting up and agreeing. God, your word is true. I have an unction from the Holy One. I know all things. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You've not given me a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. There's a few things you can say, and if you get them in your life at the beginning of the day, you can pretty well dominate any situation that comes. You just garrison your life about in the morning, and it's like everything else is contrary to that. It has to try to climb the wall. Well, we've already built the wall. It can't get over. Amen? So it's important to know these things. Turn with me to John chapter 14. Hallelujah. I'm anointed. We're anointed. It abides in me. It lives in me. It dwells in me. It's not going and coming. It's not high and low. It doesn't have a gauge or a meter that says, well, you know, he moved in and he moved out. If you'd act right, he'd stay in. No. I'm born again. Praise the Lord. John chapter 14, verse 12. Look what it says, verily, verily, boy, this is strong. Whenever the Lord Jesus says verily, verily, or truly, truly, He is making a point. Everything He said is true, but He's making a point. I say unto you, he that believeth on me, make sure I'm in the right, 16, I'm supposed to be in 16, excuse me. (laughs) That was a good verse, but it's 16. I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So, the Amplified says, listen to this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. And then the Amplified breaks that down into six other words. So there's seven in total. Uh, that this word, Paraclete, that's The word comforter is translated from. Jesus said, I'm going to the Father. I'm going to sit at his right hand, and I'm going to make intercession for you, and I'm going to send one that's a paraclete, or what the word calls a helper, equal to one that will come alongside. I'm going to send him, and he's going to do many things for you, but he's going to help you. When someone comes to help you, they don't come to do it for you. They come to come in beside you and help you. So many people want the Holy Ghost to do it all. Well, you know, if God wants it done, he'll just do it. No, he's the helper. When you pray in tongues, you have to open your mouth. You have to bring forth an utterance. Is that right? When you lay hands on the sick, you have to put your hands on them. Well, couldn't God just do it? You know, I, we both want it, and there, you know, they need it. Could, no, he said you got to cooperate. He's the helper. And it says here that the Amplified says, I'll ask the Father, He'll give you another comforter. And then in parentheses it says, Counselor, Helper, Intercessor, Advocate, Strengthener, and Standby, that He may remain with you forever. So here we've got this anointing, this unction, the Holy One, living on the inside of us, full strength, full time, Always, never goes to sleep, always ready for any situation, raise the dead, heal the cough, whatever, wisdom. What do we do here, Lord? What do I do? I have an unction from the Holy One. I know all things. Where's the answer, Lord? I'm going to pray this out. Where's the answer, Lord? It's down inside here. My situation needs an answer. So what is it, Lord? I need wisdom. I need wisdom. Where is it? Well, Jesus was made unto you wisdom. Well, where is he? He's down inside. So I'm going to stop my life and quit looking to men's wisdom, quit looking to conventional things, quit looking to the yoke of the world, and look inside and say, he's in here. Now, what's he saying? I've got to get my life quiet. Sometimes you've got to stop. <laughs> We're wanting to get the whole scenario for six months of our life on the way to work and rumbling through the lunchbox to see what's, you know, I wonder what's in there, what kind of sandwich you put in there today or whatever. You know, you've you got to stop your life sometimes. Amen, they said. They just said amen. So com- this uh, comforter, a comforter is one that always leads you to truth. You know, when somebody, sometimes you don't want truth, but actually when someone's passed away or when, uh, when it... Uh, there's a tragedy, or if there's trouble, literally what really gives us the most comfort is the truth. Sometimes when we're carnal, we want to hear things, and that's why we have squirrely doctrines in the body of Christ, is because preachers wanted to go into the soul realm and the carnal realm, and so they just said things like God needed a rosebud for his garden, and trash like that, but the truth is, if you tell people the truth, it brings comfort. And the Holy Ghost will always send you the truth. He won't say, man, this is a hard time. They're emotionally unwound. I'll have to make something up, just, you know, and then later we'll try to get them back on. No, he's going to deal straight up with you. He's going to tell you the truth, and it'll comfort. The second thing he said is your counselor. People say, I need somebody to talk to. I need somebody to listen to me. The Holy Ghost will be your counselor. Talk to him, and he'll talk back. You can ramble on forever, and he... He'll just take it, Amen. A helper, a helper. That's like I said. It's someone that's going to help you. A intercessor. You know, we just we all know. Listen, I've I've heard you pray. I've heard me pray, and we can go a ways in English, but we're just none of us linguists. We're none of us articulate. We'd have some preaching job if we were all just you know a, a John Hagee. All of us run out of English pretty quick. But, so you, but you just know that, that your situation needs more than what you can attach to it in the known realm with your English language. So He's our helper. He helps you pray. Hallelujah! You can go and go and go and then have a confidence. You can have a rise up in your heart saying, I know we covered it. I know we hit it. It, it, got, it got... We did it. Amen? He's the advocate. You know, an advocate is when you're in a courtroom and you're the defense because the accuser of the brethren has come by and said, he's sorry, no good, and he'll never never please God. And, you know, what you want to do is get up and, you know, start wailing and flailing and making some crazy bonehead thing. But what you need to do is turn to your defense counselor and say, what do we say? That's what Jesus did in the wilderness. He said, What do we say? Thou shalt shalt love the Lord God, or whatever he said, you know. uh, Yeah, man shall not live by bread alone. Got to quote it right here. And so where would that come from? It came from the advocate. It was the perfect defense for the accuser, and it shut his mouth. He's inside. Say he's inside. He's right there. You don't have to call somebody. Could you tell me? No, he's inside. He's your strengthener. For however long, for whatever's needful, whatever kind of strength you need. Sometimes we don't need muscle strength, but he's your strength there. Emotionally, intellectually, and whatever, he's your standby. Um, You know, when I had a a, a 62 Chevrolet Impala two-door, had bucket seats this wide, back then Debbie and I could sit in both of them, you know, and still have room left over. Hallelujah. Yeah, both of us in one seat. This is a wide car and it had bucket seats that were just like a. It was just it just it was great. Hallelujah, and uh, but this thing had a 327, had 300 horse, had a two-speed hydro uh, turbo hydraulic. It turned 65 or 70 in low, and then when you kicked it up to D, shoot, it just if it didn't drop the transmission, you were sailing. <laughs> but here's the the thing is, is it had a four-barrel carburetor in it. So as long as you're just tooling around town, and you know, I had glass packs, so you know, everybody knew where I was tooling, hallelujah. I really didn't like the sounds much as I just was too cheap to buy mufflers. Glass packs are cheap. But anyway, it had a four barrel carburetor, so if you're just around tooling around town, it's running on two carbure- two barrels. But if you ever were going to need to pass somebody or you had left your sweetheart at nine minutes till midnight and your mother is waiting at the door and you have nine miles to make on dirt roads, you would like to open up those other two barrels. (laughs) It's the standby. You don't need them all the time. But when you need two more barrels, you can goose it, put it down, and you can get in and... Yeah, it's amazing that I'm alive. It really is. I could tell you more, but that was enough. Hallelujah. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Turn there real quick. We'll, We'll wind up here. Praise God. He's your standby. When you need more, He's got more, and He'll give more, so you'll have more. You don't look like all that you are, but you are. That car must have weighed 4,000 pounds. You know, back then, 62. No, don't tell them what it weighed. And yeah, it was pure metal. There was no Plastico in that thing. Uh, not any. Even the speedometer needle was, was something metal. But, but, you know, but when you kicked in that four barrel on that 327 high performance heads, you were gone. You could literally watch the gauge, the gas gauge. You could literally watch it. Speedometer went this way, the gas gauge went that way, and you could watch them. And the speedometer would go back down and the gas gauge would stay there. (laughs) He's your standby. He's got plenty. I said there's more in you than what it looks like. You may not look that tough, but that's because we never have kicked in the four barrel of the Holy Ghost. You're just looking at the top two. You're just looking at what I need and what I use in, in just my daily walk. But if you put me in a bind, if you put me where I need something more, he's a standby inside. Amen? Here it says in in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Hallelujah. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? Know ye not? Know ye not? Look what Paul's saying to this church that had the gifts of the Spirit and was a spiritual church in every many way, just had all sorts of things going. He had to stop them with a letter and say, Hey, dummies! Don't you guys even know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? In the Amplified, it says, Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church, are God's temple, His sanctuary, and that God's Spirit has His permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and also individually? That's that multiple choice version, the Amplified. It's talking about the anointing. It's talking about we are full of God. It's not just down in there your liver and your gizzard and you know all that stuff. There's down in there is who you are in your belly. There's God down there, the Spirit of God. He's, he's not out here. He's not at Jerusalem. He's, not on, he's in here. He's in here, full strength, wide open, and ready. Always at the door, ready. You won't see him, you know, flipping the channel inside, and, you know, Doritos, and, you know, dip and stuff, and like, can you give me... He's always at the door, ready. I'm so glad. Amen. I'm anointed. Come on, y'all. I'm anointed. I'm anointed right now. I'm anointed for whatever is needful. Because, see, we're here to minister. I got mine. How about you? I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. That's the whole end of it. He didn't say, keep on working, you'll get a better heaven. Heaven is it, to be with God. Is it. So why are we here? It's better over there. Promise, it's better. People say, well, you know. No, you just don't know. You're ignorant. It's better over there. So why are we here? Because not everybody is going over there. So we're here to minister to them. Birth our babies, get our grand going and all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of other things going on as far as the kingdom, so we don't just get born again and just go out of here because there needs to be a light in this dark place, a salt in this dark place. But it's better over there. So whatever's needful in the world is what I'm anointed for. I'm anointed for anything, you're anointed for anything, but different facets and different, different uh, aspects of the anointing will show up depending on the need. So you got someone sick, you got the anointing to lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. You got a, you, someone needs wisdom, they're just pulling their hair out what to do, you're anointed. You need to share Jesus with them. All of a sudden, timid, shy, can't talk to nobody, never, you know, all of a sudden the anointing will rise up. They'll access it and say, bless God, I don't feel like it. I don't want to. This is so uncomfortable. But I'm anointed. And they'll step out of themselves into him. And it'll be a whole nother world. It is common. It is not unusual at all for people that can hardly speak in other people to step behind a pulpit and turn into another man or another woman. And as soon as they step back, it's like they're back to there. Many times. You know, people get sick and don't come to church all the time. But there's only been two times in my whole 20 years Two times that I have missed church because of a service, because I didn't feel good. And one of them, when I got home, she told me, you are you are a wimp. You are a wimp. You know, I didn't throw up. I didn't, you know, I didn't call 911. So, you know. So anyway, I'm just saying, But because we know that if we can get to church and get behind this and give ourselves, all those symptoms will go away. When Kenneth Copeland was in dire pain, tremendous Pain couldn't stand it. If he could just get himself up to the pulpit and open the word, all the symptoms would leave. This anointing is amazing. You'll be under the anointing for finances. Lord, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do, and have it all planned out what you're going to do in the natural realm. And if you'll let the Lord stop you and check in on the anointing, the financier, the great wealth builder himself, will bring you over and say, Do this. And it'll be smarter and better than anybody that's so smart, naturally speaking. You don't have to study the stock market. You don't have, you can, Not, nothing wrong with that if that's what you do, but you don't have to know all that stuff to get over there. So you, you do things that keep you in the anointing. You stay out of sin. Hello? You congregate with the anointed. Don't you think it'd be better if we were all, if you went where the anointing was versus where it wasn't? You, you give yourself to prayer. You give yourself to your ministry. You begin to look for an outlet. The Dead Sea is dead because there's no place out. Once you gift yourself a way out, stuff will start coming in. So you start saying, Lord, I'm just going to go out today and believe you to talk to somebody or to do something or to sow something. Give yourself a, a, an, an opportunity. Lord, I'm going to get something out by the anointing. Well, then the anointing will start coming in. And all of a sudden, you're fearless. All of a sudden, you're a bearcat. So many of these people that are wild-eyed, wild-eyed evangelists, they were no different than you and me. But they somehow got over there one time, got under the anointing. It is the ultimate high. There's no drug like it. There's no experience like it. It's, it is God's system of reward on the earth. There is nothing like being under the anointing. I've heard people say they would trade their whole life for five minutes under the anointing. Well, I'm anointed. You're anointed. You don't have to have this pulpit. This thing doesn't make you anointed. You out there and me up here doesn't make me anointed. I'm anointed all the time, hallelujah. But we just stand in different offices and we're anointed for different offices. Like I said a while ago, you didn't have an anointing for parenting. That is just boogie boogie. You've just got ways and deals, and, and you ever seen these little mamas, these little girls that are just, they weigh less than me, they're so little, hallelujah. And they'll prop a 30 pound kid on that hip and just walk around for an hour or two. I go over there and pick them up, and in 10 minutes, I'm wasted. You know, it's like, it's the anointing. Hallelujah, let's stand up, hallelujah. I'm anointed. Why well, I'm anointed. Come on, help me a little. I'm anointed. Right now.